let's look at our scripture. We'll pray. Amen. Scripture is coming from Luke, the first chapter, 68 through 79. And it reads, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. As he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy, to show the mercy promised to our father Abraham and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hands of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his way, to give knowledge of salvation to his people and forgiveness of their sins. Because of the tender mercy of God, whereby the sunrise shall visit on us on high, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. The word of God for the people of God. Let's pray. Lord, we want to thank you, Lord, today for your word, Lord. We want to thank you, Lord, like our brother Gary said, that we can be here once again in the land of the living, Lord that we can be here and give you the praise and all the glory, Lord. Lord, I ask you, Lord, that you would just be with me. Lord, I'm not worthy to be here preaching your word, Lord. But Lord, I wanna thank you, Lord, that you are sanctifying me, Lord, so that I'm able to stand and preach your word, Lord. Lord, we ask you, Lord, that you would just send down your Holy Spirit upon us, Lord, so that we can understand your word, Lord. In your name, Lord, we pray and we thank you. Amen. Amen. I want to give a shout out to Chelsea because Chelsea was like, look, look, because I don't know if you remember one sermon, I actually lost a page. It was like stuck in a folder. And so Chelsea was like, why don't you just get like a little pad or something? to put all your work. I'm like, yeah, that's true. Yeah, well, why, well, why not? I just want to give a shout out to Chelsea. I got me a pad. So I went to Office Depot where they, the out, out of, you know, they have the out of business sale, right? So this pad was for some reason, it was $70. I don't know why. It's, it's, it's not like it's made of like alligator skin or nothing, you know, right? But it was like for 20. So I got it for $20. So I'm like, hey, let me grab this. Let me do what I got to do. So yeah. So if you know that we're doing, we're in Advent and we're doing a series called The uh, Christmas Playlist. And I don't know about y'all, but I, I, I don't know. Everybody has their certain nostalgic time where they hear that Christmas song and they're like, oh yeah, it's Christmas time. For me, it's the temptations. It's the temptations. Once you hear that temptation, and you haven't gone to the Christmas store yet to get your gift, it's too late. 
It's not Mariah Carey. Mariah Carey is just a shell to what's really going on within Christmas. Once you hear the temptations, you turn on that radio. Once the temptations is here, you are in the heart of Christmas. Jesus has actually come down, turned on his heavenly record, and put on the temptations. Okay? So we all have our song, you know, and we have, uh, I, I, the title was Santa Claus is Coming to Town. You know, I, I, like, I like the, uh, uh, what is it called? The Jackson 5 version. Santa Claus is coming to town. Santa Claus is coming. You know that one. I don't think he was worried about Santa. He was worried about Joe Jackson. I'm going to leave that one alone. I'm joking. Sorry. But you know the song, you know the traditional song. Santa Claus is coming to town. You better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. Because Santa Claus is coming to town. He's making a list. He's checking it twice. He's going to find out who's naughty or nice. Santa Claus is coming to town. Mm -mm. Santa. When y'all hear it, you'll know it. Okay? He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good. So what's the last verse? Be good for goodness sake. Oh, yep, there you go. So what does this song have to do with Zachariah's song? Most likely, absolutely nothing, right? Well, I mean, think about it. Well, Jesus is coming to town, right? And, his, and Zachariah's son, John, is having the privilege of preparing the way of the coming of Jesus. And John is telling us, hey, you better watch out. Don't pout. Don't cry. I'm telling you why, because Jesus is coming to town. He has made a list. He doesn't have to check it twice because he already knows all of our hearts. That's a bad lyric, but you know. You can't run from the Savior. He knows when you're sleeping and he knows when you're awake. So he is aware of everything. But there is someone greater and better than Santa Claus. And his name is Jesus. Okay? And those... The, the, the Santa Claus song might mimic some elements of the text. It really, truly doesn't do it justice. So Zachariah's song reveals the coming of Christ in the role of his newborn son, John. We, learn, we will learn that through Zachariah's song that every believer should welcome the coming of Christ. And Get ready, and every believer should get ready for the coming of Jesus. Why? Because he's coming to town. Let's look at our first point. Welcome the coming of Jesus. If you look at Luke 1, 68 through 69, when, when you read this text, you, you find several reasons why we should welcome Jesus. Well, one thing you will begin to see is his salvific work. He is a de he, his deliverance, his mercies, and his fulfilled promises so that we can serve him without fear and holiness and righteousness before a holy God all the days of our lives. In verse 68, the first thing you see in this text is Zechariah is filled with the Holy Spirit. And this is the first time that he has spoken within nine months. And, and, and the first thing he says is, Bless be the Lord God of Israel. Now, this is referring to God's covenant people. See, Jesus will be the fulfillment of God's 
covenant. For the fulfillment of the covenant, he, he, he will come to visit, the Bible says, visit and redeem. Now, this word visit in context means to come to judge, okay? Jesus will come, judge, and redeem. Just remember that. But he goes on and says in verse 69 that God has raised up a horn of salvation in the house of David. This word horn, of course, it, it, it means several things. We, we read it this morning in our call of worship. You know, it means power. It, it, it means strength. It, 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 it means he, he's our fortress. Jesus is the strength, the fortress. He is the power of salvation. A horn, of course, is it, it, you, when you think about a horn, you think about an animal or, or a, a ram, or, a, a, a rhinoceros, you know, a, a, a bull. You know, you know Zachariah is saying that Jesus will be that horn. I mean, think about it. If you see a rhinoceros rolling up in here, well, you're going to think, what's a rhinoceros doing in Orangeburg, right? But as Orangeburg, anything can happen, right? You're going to, first thing you're going to look at is that horn. Let me get out of the way. When you see a bull, you're going to be like, look at those horns. You know, I'm not trying to be, but Jesus is that horn. He also mentions that this horn of salvation is from the house of David. This is the prophecy. This is a prophesy that through the Davidic line, a Messiah will come. If you read your Old Testament, especially through the book of Kings and where all the kings and everybody got scattered because of the exiles, you know, where would the bloodline be if this scattered people went all over the place? But though we're scattered... Jesus ain't scattered. God's not scattered. He's going to keep his promise. And through the Davidic line, a Messiah will come. And Jesus is that Messiah, the one who will bring salvation. If you look at Luke 1, 70 through 75, Zechariah goes on and says, you know, we, 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 we find out that not only will he bring salvation, but he is our deliverer. If you read 70 through 72, Jesus will come and deliver us from our enemies and those who hate us. Now, I thought about this. You know, I don't think enemies, when you read this text, is not just physical. It's physical and spiritual. We have to know, though, that there are physical enemies that are present then and today, and their goal is to destroy Jesus and his church. That is true. If you know anything about the Chinese church, they'll tell you that it's more than just spiritual enemies. Even David and the Psalms speak of, about his actual enemies and how he's trusting in God to deliver him. But there are also spiritual enemies. If you look at Luke 6, 12, um, excuse me, Ephesians 6, 12, it lets you know that our battle is not just against flesh and blood, but spiritual wickedness in high places. And God has come, has brought, has brought a, a Messiah, Jesus, to deliver us from both of those things. But I love verse 72 to 75 because, because through the promises of God to Abraham, centuries before Zechariah, and to his descendants, Abraham's descendants, for us to serve God freely and fully is all based in, on the mercy of God and his faithfulness. So centuries of waiting and waiting, the, the Israelites are trusting and having faith in God's mercy that he would remember, that he would not forget us. 
and he hasn't. That's the kind of God we serve. The complete work of God is not based on us, but solely on the back of God's mercy. When God called Abraham from his land, that was God. When God made a covenant promise with Abraham, that was God. When God made a non-obligated covenant promise with Abraham, Abraham, he was betting on himself. If you know anything about covenants, some, you can't break them. But if God had broken his promise, he would have denied himself. Because of his mercy and faithfulness, we can finally worship God with boldness. I have an illustration for you. In, you know, every, in every Christmas season, there is an, a hot item that you wanted. Everybody had an hot, a hot item. For some, it might have been a drum set, you know, maybe a, a, a dollhouse or something. Somebody wanted some shoes, an action figure, a game system. But back, in the, you know, but back in the day, back in 92, when I was like 11 or 12, the Super Nintendo and Sega CD were still a hot commodity. Am I lying? Those who were getting, it was big time, right? But you could never top the hottest stuff. What's that picture? Y'all put the picture up there? Put that picture of this, of this, uh, Ill, Ill. but see, back then, for me and my best friend, it was the Devastator minigun right? This minigun was about, now I'm not condoning getting kids guns. You know, it was back in 92. You can go to Toys R Us and pick out all kind of to toy guns, right? Nowadays, it's a little bit different, okay? But back then, you could get a Devastator minigun that was about this big, and you could press the button, and it would make all this noise, and it was beautiful, and it was the Eliminator. The Eliminator was something that I always wanted. I'm looking for that Eliminator for, you know, but because it's so awesome, right? But I could only, my mother was like, you can only get one. You know, you, you only get one. You know, so I picked the Eliminator. Guys, you have no idea. It was every little boy's dream. The Eliminator had seven different weapons in one. It could transform into a dagger, a sword, a laser sword, a machine gun, a bayonet machine gun, a laser machine gun, and a bazooka. Not only that, you know how boys are? It was that good, durable plastic. You could throw it across the room and it will break the floor. It was no small frustrating parts that break like, mama, my thing broke, uh, no, none of that. It was no hassle with batteries. I showed it to my best, my, my, my best friend that Christmas day. I showed him my Eliminator, and guess what he had? He had the Devastator. And we were like, ah, we went crazy. And his, and his little brother had a Devastator too. We did not go back inside until January the 1st. We, that was it. Um, I, I still want it. Now, why do I say all this? I say this because it was the greatest gift, and it had everything I needed. Jesus is the greater gift that has everything we need. He has everything we need. We look to Christ because he has everything we need. He provides us 
with everything we need in order to worship him. What Zachariah is saying is that we have been waiting and waiting and waiting on a Savior for centuries, and he is coming with everything we need to redeem us. And this is why we should welcome him. I think we struggle with it, though, right? We, we, it's okay for us to say we fully welcome him, but sometimes we, we don't believe because we want to know, does he, can he come correct with every little thing in my life? Can he really come correct? This is why we tend to welcome everything else but Christ. We, we will welcome all kind of foolishness in our life. We, we, we'll welcome all money. If it means I can get money, we'll welcome it. We'll welcome certain friends that don't need to be in our life. Sometimes even certain family members. We will read every book except the Bible that sits on your mantle. It's amazing how the dust collected is being more sanctified than we are. I mean, my PlayStation controller got more fingerprints than the Bible. If they wanted to catch me, all they got to do is pick up that PlayStation controller, they go to the Bible, they'll never catch me because I'm hardly touching it. We, we will welcome politics, all kind of weird empowerment, all kind of stuff. We, we'll welcome the sages and, and, and we'll welcome the things that make us more black or things that make us more white. We'll welcome all these other things that think can give us all we need. I'm going to be honest with you this morning. I'm going to be very honest. I remember when I, when, when I first got called, I remember Reverend Gaston, he was the greatest mentor I could ever had when I first started. And one thing, I don't, ever, I don't usually disagree with a lot of pastors, but one thing I disagree with him is, this is what he said, you don't share your brokenness. I didn't really agree with that. I sort of understood what he was saying. You don't share all, you know? But I, but I want to share something with you today. I want to be honest with you today. It finally hit me after seven years that God gave Latifia and I two special needs children, Olivia and Liam. Olivia has Downs, Liam has autism. I, for years, subconsciously denied it and didn't even know I was denying it. Many people have asked me, how are you taking it? Subconsciously, I'm fine. Through godly wisdom and the Holy Spirit of some friends and mentors, it sort of was illuminating to hear how I was suppressing it. I have to realize now, as I'm having a better understanding that my family, this is hard, but it's true, right? God has done this. My family will never be the typical family that we all know and desire. Am I lying? That's the nature of the whole thing. God has done this for a reason. I had to realize that there was more of me as the head of the home that is required when it comes to Latifia, when it comes to Alex, when it comes to Olivia and Liam. As the head of the home, I have to learn to be more in tune and give more attention to Latifia, Olivia, Alex, 
Liam, that means I might not be able to have long conversations with college students that I really love, right? We have this, right? I might not be able to do all that. I might have to leave work early. I might have to work from home sometimes, even though it bothers me because I got bad ADHD. It it might require me to forsake some things that I never had to before. And to be honest, guys, I'm afraid of the things undone because I feel like I will not be effective when it comes to the kingdom of God. I'm just being real. That is true. You know why that happens? That's because I welcomed everything in my life but but faith in Christ and to believe that he has the power to save, redeem, and deliver so that I can freely worship him. And that is the honest truth. I welcomed everything. And God's like, you're not going to move unless you have faith in me. It don't work that way. What about you? I think about what about you? What do you welcome instead of Jesus? Think about that. What do we welcome instead of Jesus? We so scared. You know, I've heard people say, I don't want to read that Bible. It got fake stuff in it. But then they turn around and read another book. They have no idea who wrote it. No idea if it's true, but they will cling to it. That's just an example. Just... I'm here to tell you that we can welcome Jesus to town because he can bring everything we need. He can bring us out of darkness into marvelous light. Growing up, my mother used to say, you know, you got to try to keep your house clean because you never know who might just stop by. My mother is saying that, she's saying, it's okay to welcome people to your home, but if you're not prepared, but, but, but you need to be prepared when they come by. And this is how we welcome Jesus, through our preparation. This takes me to my next point, getting, get ready for the coming of Jesus. Luke 1, 76 through 79. You know, Zechariah sort of changes gears from his proclamation of, of the coming of Jesus to the role of his son. You can imagine Zechariah saying all things about Jesus, and he says, but you my child. You, you can imagine him doing that. But the, the, here's the real kicker to this text. Have you ever been to a baby shower that wasn't about that baby? Maybe some of us have. I don't know. Or have you ever witnessed a new birth that it wasn't about that birth? This text is giving, this text is giving witness to John's birth. The family and the friends that are there are there to see John. But if you notice, this entire text, in a way, neglects John. It's all about Jesus. If you ever notice in previous verses, his family and his friends are confused. Why would you name the baby John? It's not a family name. The whole text is about the coming of Jesus, not not of the coming of John. John is the headliner. He's just the hype man. He's the host. He's the appetizer. He's the pregame. I mean, it's a great honor, but the honor is all Christ. Zechariah is more excited about the role, uh, excuse me, is, yeah, he's more excited about the role of John than seemingly about his own birth. Now, I'm going to get wrong, I think Zechariah loves his son, but even then, there was a greater John. 
Remember, he, the Holy Spirit is speaking through Zechariah. The Holy Spirit will always lead you, focus you, and direct you to the main thing. And the main thing will always be Jesus. You want to know what John's baby gift was? It was Jesus. <laughs> Maybe a couple of bibs, I don't know, you know. But listen to the degree of status. John will be the prophet of the Most High. It's about Jesus who is the Most High. If you look at verses 78 and 77 and 78, it really hits home. John will let people know that the knowledge of salvation and deliverance is through repentance and the forgiveness of sins. To welcome the greatest gift of God, we must repent and be forgiven of our sins. If you want to be ready for Jesus, you must first know that you are a sinner. You, me, according to the confession, we haven't done what was required. We, we don't deserve redemption. We deserve the visit. The visit is the judge. We deserve judgment. We don't deserve a gift. We don't deserve a coal. We deserve to become like coal. If you want to be delivered from your enemies and, and serve them without fear and holiness and righteousness before a holy God, we must be ready to repent. Then Zechariah says, when that, happened, when that happens, we will see the sunrise and come out of darkness that is death. This, is, will, this will be John's role to prepare us for Christ. Pull up this next picture. I think it's there. I don't know if I changed it. Yeah, it is there. Okay. For a long time, you know, me being a bandhead, people always believed that FAMU was the best band. And to be honest, they weren't. They were just big. But actually, it was Bethune-Cookman. Bethune-Cookman was the, was the thing. My, I was first introduced to Bethune-Cookman my freshman year at State. It was my first performance. Our band director, the late Ronald J. Sarge, and y'all know, I don't know if y'all seen Sarge, looked like a short uh, 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 Richard Pryor. He told us, do not antagonize or taunt Bethune. You see, it was normal and fun to taunt the opposing band. But this time, we were told not to do that. I think one reason is he knew that we will be sitting directly beside them. But we didn't listen. Our drummers, BBI, Bonga Brothers, especially along with other, others, began to antagonize and taunt Bethune. I mean, I was, when I looked at, first thing that popped in my head was, how come they weren't listening, right? I'm a freshman, you know. I was amazed at the discipline of Bethune. Oh my gosh. Not only did they res not respond to barrages or insults, but they also didn't even look in our direction. They were like this the whole time, looking at the field. It was amazing. I'm like, oh my gosh. 
you would think they were like statues. You know, I, I mean, you see, we weren't prepared. We weren't disciplined. We were unorganized. And even I, as a freshman, could see that. But Bethune was prepared for the show that day. When it was time for them to perform, they got up quietly as they, they, they got up as quietly as they sat down. They got on the field and taunted and antagonized us by blowing us out the water. I'm like, oh my gosh, we are not ready. We are not prepared for this band. So usually when bands get on and off the field, they sort of pass each other to get in position or to go back to the stands. And I remember one Bethune band member passed me with fire, passion, and determination in his eyes and with sweat coming down from his head. He looks back at me and says this, you better be coming with something. I remember feeling intimidated and scared. Now some of y'all might say, it's just the band. Then you don't know band life. You don't know band life. You ever see Drumline? That's a, that's a cakewalk there. I was intimidated because we weren't prepared to truly perform, not as strong band members, but as a collective group of musicians. We prepared our way, not the way our band directors told us to prepare. And why do I say this? Because when we prepare for the coming of Christ our way, we will always miss the mark. We prepare for everything else except for Jesus. We will prepare for everything else except for Jesus. Oh my gosh. I mean, let's just use Christmas as an example. We, we'll go through the hassle of putting up lights, stapling things to the wall, untangling the boxes, going up in the attic where it could be roaches and spiders in a box and dust, and we'll do all of that. Carry down heavy stuff. We'll go get pricey Christmas trees only to throw them out two weeks later and spend money on gifts. Well, I'm not saying it's all bad, but sometimes we spend money we don't have. We, I mean, just think about that. And we'll do all of that and don't say a word to Jesus on Christmas Day. How many times have we done that, right? Mama, I got my gift. Woo! January. Thank you, Jesus. Wait a minute. <laughs> you don't come to my birthday party. <laughs> Jesus is the only one at his cake, blowing out the candles. I'm not saying it's all bad. I'm not saying don't put up your lights because Jesus hates you. I'm not saying that. I'm trying to give us the idea that even with everyday things in our lives, we will prepare for everything except for Jesus. We'll leave out the door and won't even say hello to Jesus. We'll get in our car, almost get into wrecks, run red lights, pass things, do all kinds of things, not choking our food, all, you know, and God, mercy comes through and we were not prepared to even tell him hello. I'm, not, I'm, I'm talking about myself too now. You ever heard somebody else say, here's something else. You ever heard somebody else say, and I, I, I have to, you know, uh, I have to clean my life up first 
before I come to Jesus. You ever heard somebody say that? I'm not ready to come to I got to clean up myself. And that's not how it works. That's not what John is trying to say. The knowledge and understanding doesn't come from you or me, but it comes from Christ. That knowledge and understanding of salvation doesn't do that. There is only one way to prepare and welcome Christ, and that is through us repenting, coming with that heart. Any other way will leave us unwelcoming and unprepared. Remember that text of the tax collector, that Jesus spoke about a tax collector and a Pharisee. And the tax collector looks up to Jesus and says, God have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus is saying that tax collector is in the right position. He's prepared for me. Now, how do I know that this is the right way? Well, one reason is because this prophecy is from the spirit of truth. It's from the Holy Spirit. It's from God. Another reason is because Jesus himself was prepared by following the commands of his father and not his own. He welcomed the father's commands by preparing himself for the redemption through the preparation and welcoming death for our sins. But he didn't stay dead. He rose on the third day so that we can finally rightly serve him without fear and holiness and righteousness before a holy God all the days of our lives. I want to end this with creating a new Christmas song. You won't hear it on the radio, but you should hear it in your heart. Jesus is coming to town. You better watch out. You don't have to cry. You don't have to pout. I'm telling you why. Jesus is coming to town. He has a list and, he, and, and, it, and checked it not twice, once, not twice. We're all naughty, never nice. Jesus is coming to town. Because of sin, he knows you're sleeping. But because of grace, he knows you will awake. He knows, he, he knows you were bad, but he is good for goodness sake. Jesus is coming to town. Let's pray. Lord, thank you, Lord, for coming to town, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for staying to town so that you would redeem us, so that you would save us, Lord. Help us to welcome you, Lord, by coming to you on our knees by coming to you in humility, by coming to you saying, we don't got it together. So please, Lord, come into my house, Lord. Look at my dirt. Look at my closet. I am just, I don't have it together, Lord. Help us to, help us to welcome him by inviting us in our house, into our dirty house, Lord, and saying, I need it to be clean. In the name of the Lord, we pray and we thank you. Amen.